Welcome back, team, to another episode of Beautiful Dust Specs, a podcast designed to teach you that the ordinary is truly extraordinary. I'm your host, Alex Hofeld. You bring the curiosity. I'll bring the science. Let's do this. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Beautiful Dust Specs. I'm Alex Hofeld. Let's get going here. So my girlfriend one time asked me, where do I get the ideas and the motivation for these shows? And reality, it all comes from just my pure love of science, my general curiosity for the world, and really the mission, right? The mission of trying to get people to see, touch, feel, experience these little tiny ordinary moments, find the extraordinary within them to see and understand and get an idea, really a feel, this internal self-talk that the universe around you is amazing. And every single thing in the world of science that leads to today, that leads to the modern tale, the modern understanding of the universe, our place, the moon, the earth, the solar system, the sun, the galaxy, the stars, the biology, the DNA, any of it, chemistry, physics, biology, the three amazing, you know, manifested things that are out there. This, each science having just a plethora and a huge, uh, massive smattering of everything how it, it it's broken down into different things i just showed the kids in my class this awesome map of physics you should you should youtube map of physics it's really cool and it talks about all the different branches of physics alone and then in the end it has the great chasm of ignorance and floating over the top is this wonderful cloud of psychology you know these ideas that are fueled by our ask and if you remember from my previous episode i, I love pondering this I, I think about it constantly these ideas of what what is more important answering or asking questions and all of these things are about asking any answer any beginning any or any end must have a beginning and science has had the grandest asks ever and a People, a group of individuals who have always baffled me in terms of their willingness to ask, mainly to see what it, us, we, they can do, was the astronauts. Still to this day are the astronauts. Anybody in the astronaut program, it, it's my grandest dream of all time is to go into low Earth orbit. It, it probably won't happen for me. I mean, who knows, right? We have the, the privatization of space travels, Elon Musk, SpaceX, all these wonderful things. I, I think Elon would probably be my favorite person to meet in this world right now. I think he's just fascinating on every level. But if we look back in time, all of the astronauts astronauts today, we'll talk about in a second here, a lot of the technology today came from the Apollo programs, really from Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo, from the space race, from the time in the 1960s, or late 1950s, when the space race started, the dawn of the Cold War, a kind of horrific time, if you've watched a lot of these things, where two countries, two groups of humans, two groups of homo sapiens that are 99.999% identical to one another, the same species, occupying the same planet, flexing the might of their nuclear arsenals, you know, the ability to just wage war that would be a, on a global epic catastrophic scale and the fact that it still goes there and this is like my liberal woo-woo self in there but that you know those ideas make me sad but I don't want to focus on that too much I want to pay homage a little bit on homage to some of the grandest people out there and a little bit on the Apollo astronauts and where is this coming up from this is coming up because on January 16 2017 Eugene Cernan passed away Eugene is my favorite astronaut, and I'll tell you why I've studied a lot of these astronauts here in a second, but it, looking on this, it, this was in passing. This was just something I just bumped into in Facebook. We didn't really celebrate. It didn't feel like anyone really paid a whole ton of homage. You know, I don't know if that's the right word, homage, right? Like, didn't give him a whole ton of honor to the, the last man to set foot on the moon. The the last footprint that is up there that was in the, in the late 1960s. No, that would have been 1970. I'm sorry. I should have that written down. 
it's been up there forever and it will be up there forever if you know then they asked him how long were your footprint been up there he, his quote was how long is forever because there's no atmosphere there's no weather there's nothing that changes the surface of it you know it, the idea i actually kind of think about it where if his last footprint would be up there technically the 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 ascent stage that shoots them back up towards the command module puts off quite a bit of debris so maybe his footprint wouldn't be up there but that's kind of a bummer to think about let's just say let's just say his footprint's up there i'm assuming it is i, I really don't think it is but <laughs> we'll find out later there's pictures of it there's things up there he also uh is famous for mildly you know famous in nerd circles he actually talked about it in modern family that he wrote his daughter's initials in the martian soil so that'll be up there forever which is pretty cool to think about but anyways this man I really enjoyed studying. I really enjoyed learning about him and seeing him and reading a lot of his interviews. And even in today, this little this little journey I've been on for the last couple hours and starting last night and thinking about it all week. And you know, I, I get these ideas in my head. And I just kind of run with them and I chew on them all week just to see where it's going to take me. And hopefully by Sunday or whatever day I sit down, it has manifested into something awesome. And I recently, today, I just found this, this really long readout, a 55-page document outlining one of his interviews with some NASA people, which I believe a lot of the interview was for this amazing documentary called When We Left Earth. This documentary I've shown for the last nine years. I, I watch it pretty much most Fridays for my astronomy class, and I watch it twice a year. You know, I watch it two classes, two to three classes per semester, twice a year. I've seen this documentary a lot. And he's the man that always sticks out to me. And the cool, what also got me thinking about this, a lot of these dudes that are on this on this documentary, a lot of them weren't interviewed for it because they had already passed away and there's been multiple guys now on the show that are no longer with us john glenn and neil armstrong have passed away since this documentary has been published and it's just crazy to think about this that time is taking away the people you know and time goes on and that that's the inevitability of life but we're running out of apollo astronauts we're running out the the, the last man to set foot on the moon just died at the age of 82 and i don't want to say nobody cared because i cared gene and gene's family i carry a whole ton and they deserve a legacy they it the program, all of it. So, you know, Eugene was this amazing person and you can see the legacy of these brave souls, these dudes who did this on un these unspeakable dangers. You know, anything goes wrong. He's a three-day journey away from the earth, not from home or not from base or whatever. He's a three-day journey away from the darkness, you know, surrounded by the infinite vacuum of space. Anything that goes wrong, you know, they'd still be up there. When Apollo 8 first got to the moon, if they're, they go around the backside of the moon and they, they, hit, they hit a booster and it creates a slingshot effect. So they slingshot around the dark side of the moon being the first people ever to see the naked see the dark side of the moon with their naked eye we only see the front side because the geosynchronous orbit it's tidally locked with our planet there's only been 24 people 24 people in the entire history of mankind the billions upon billions of people that have ever existed to see the dark side of the moon to be to the dark side of the moon and only 12 that have walked on them and a lot of these men are passing away their you know their legacies will live on forever i truly hope so i will do everything in my power to constantly do this and i'm actually a little sad you know i, I do have dreams with this podcast and i do one day would you know love to be cool enough and and legit enough and i hopefully will be to where i can and start to interview these people that I look up to these these not these not as much sports people but these you know deep awesome thinkers and not only was Eugene what they call an educated daredevil when he had the right stuff he was a, a cool he was a thinker man he I, he really resonated with me and when you see these guys and you look in their eyes and you see the, you see what when they're talking it's not a boast it's not something that comes out of um comes out of like ego or anything like that you feel and you can see it in their faces that it's not for glory it's for curiosity it's for discovery it's for exploration and that's what gets them stoked knowing 
showing that they played a role in the ever-expanding ideas that is humankind. And that gets them excited. And I, I hope that resonates with you. You can learn so much from the astronauts. I share this with so many kids and teach this to them because I want them to embody an astronaut a little bit. My kids sitting in my chair right now in my classes for the last few years, there's a pro- like, there's a good chance that the kids that age, oh, I don't know about any of my students, but the kids that age are going to be the ones that explore Mars, our next great adventure. And, you know, Apollo knew what was up. These dudes knew what was going down. They knew that that was the overall goal. And they had checklists and all this. And Eugene Cernan was my favorite guy in this. So just a quick recap of the Apollo program. I should probably do other episodes on this as well. You know, this all starts with the greatest mic drop of all time. You know, two two com- two countries flexing their might against one another. The Russians send up Sputnik. We go through. We could have won, but it turns out being Yuri Gagarin is the first guy to be set up in space. Ham beat him there, and if Ham would have been Alan Shepard, which Alan and a lot, the rest of the astronauts were actually really ticked off about, they would have been able to. They would have been the first people in space. But Eugene, Cer- or I'm sorry, Yuri Gagarin was the first one to go. So Alan Shepard goes up, comes down. I, th- I think it was a five-minute flight. He didn't even have a window, you know, incredibly, incredibly just up and down, no orbit, no nothing. JFK goes out inside Rice University, grabs the microphone and says, America, we are going to land, take a man to the, get a man to the moon, land him on the moon and return him safely in the decade, in 10 years. He didn't confer with anybody. Like this would have been something awesome if you were like talk to people and they would have had a plan and all this. He goes out, grabs the mic and says this without conferring to anybody to NASA. I've read reports and seen videos and movies where they talk about the, the one and two of NASA, the head, the president of NASA, I'm blanking on his name right now now looks at the number two guy and says like can we do this and he literally says i don't know (laughs) we can try and i think if that embodies anything that embodies all of the people and it wasn't just the astronauts hundreds of thousands of people played a role in this and the ramifications and the technology that have spun off of nasa should be honored much more than they are today and i think when you really look at this it, it shows a little bit of a reflection on humankind you know and the the space race all this stuff everything that comes out of this and the wonders of it you know really starts with eisenhower and his national defense and education fund and you know it I talk about this with historians and my my teacher friends and you know I get this like woo I, I don't know I'm a very touchy-feely dude when it comes to science I look I love the magic of it and it was fueled by war, you know, and we were that we were that we were at the peak of everything. You know, we were number one in all things education, but we were all things reading, math, and science. There was not a lot of arts. There was not a lot of other things. I'm told from my historian friends. So that's kind of tragic to think about because we need the arts. We need the things that are out there. So there was actually a threefold increase in PhDs at this time, and that just again education. And I won't get too intense, but you know, the stuff that's going on with education right now, the 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 unknowns, the testing, the, all this stuff, the person that's being put up put forth into being the head of the education department as a teacher it doesn't seem like she can answer too much and the ideas of science and i I truly right now am worried about the future of science education worried towards this anti-science movement there wasn't an anti-science movement at this time in history you know people were all on board with this the apollo program shows what can be done if uh, the mightiest nation on the planet or any nation really wholeheartedly dives into exploration dives into curiosity and dives into it and that can resonate with us on a human level of what can we do if we dive in entirely and I, I'm always fascinated by this stuff the older I get you know Curiosity Inc was a book uh, Ed Catamull the guy who is the inventor of Pixar 40 41 years prior to Toy Story 1 coming out that was his manifestation of a 41 year old goal 41 years prior to that he states in his book that his goal was to make the first full-length feature-length film on a computer Toy Story was that it's not quite related to the Apollo programs but the ideas of what one man can do if he single-mindedly believes in a dream single-mindedly goes 
goes forth. And if that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't speak with you, you're, you're not thinking hard enough. You know, so this, uh, this episode a little bit is about becoming an astronaut, is about exploring the unknown that are out there. And that's what we need to do, man. We should embody these dudes. You know, we should rest in peace, Gene Cernan, and honor these guys. You know, he was somebody who spent three, he was up in space three times. His first one was in the Gemini missions, where he was the second man to walk. Uh, Gus... Uh, Ed White was the first guy to do it, and you've seen the iconic images. Hopefully, if not, look them up. They're they're just stunning. They're just beyond gorgeous, beyond belief. And you, anytime you listen to these astronauts' account of their time in space, especially if they were honored enough to do a spacewalk, it's insane. However, Eugene Cernan almost, he arguably almost died. He was the first guy to try and do task, and his mission was to get to the end and like just mess with this little. I think it was just like a pack practically. However, he had such a hard time, and they were so unknown about the workings in zero g that his his heart rate started reaching max capacity to the point the doctors were worried he was going to have a heart attack. His visor started fogging up. He barely made it back to the ship. This fast forward turned in and uh, Buzz Aldrin really revolutionizing it and using using methods today that they still use the buoyancy tanks where you've ever seen the astronauts in the swimming pool that came about because Gene Cernan had such a hard time with this and Buzz Aldrin you know made it better it worked because they knew they had to do this Gemini is an amazing program we should talk about another time as well. So, you know, this man passed away on January 16, 2007, and it seemed like we didn't care too much, but I, I really want us to think about it. He's been up in space three times. He had been to the moon twice. One of the only guys, him and Jim Lovell, were the only guys ever to go to the moon twice. Jim Lovell is, eh, he's one of my favorites as well. He's just an amazing human being. They're all, they all are. They're all amazing humans. They're the, the, the educated daredevils of today and tomorrow, and I, I would kill, like, if I could manif- if I could have my kid personify anything, I don't have kids, but I ever do, I would want them to personify these guys more so than than like a LeBron James or anything like that. No offense to LeBron. I mean, they're amazing humans as well. But these dudes just did all of this, put their life on the line, sat on top of a rocket, you know, sat on top of missiles. You know, the the, the Saturn V is is supersonic by the time it reaches the top of the tower, a million gallons of thrust that this thing can do. And if any of these things go on, they're, they're toast. So I'm getting a little ranty here. I apologize for that. It's just my brain's going in so many different directions. As I talk, sometimes I start to feel these things, you know. And so when when the government lays this down, when the president and the budgets and the people and the society get wholeheartedly holding hands together for a mission, you know, I'm sure there were people who thought we were wasting tax dollars on this back in the day. No one talks about that. But the amount of curiosity, ingenuity, technology, the things that still have spun off of this is insane. And there's just there's just a few there's a few examples, you know. First off, not a lot of people know that computers were really big back then. And your iPhone has like four to five times the processing power that you, that the computer on board the Apollo 11 spacecraft had, the thing that landed on the moon. And there was a company called Fairchild Semiconductors, and part of they were part of these guys were part of MIT and various others. NASA knew that they needed to make a miniaturized circuitry board, so these two dudes ended up creating really through I think it was with IBM even was and they played a role in the IBM creating the first onboard computer, which is now entirely your computers. You know, if you ever have time, research how much technology has spun off of NASA, it is, I don't think it's arguably, I think economically, the greatest investment we've ever done. We put a crap ton of money in, but the amount of ingenuity and the amount of information and stuff that came out of it was staggering, was mind-bending and how much stuff. So these two guys that worked for, they're working with Integrated Circus and a company called Fairchild Semiconductors, they later on went, they later, they later went on to create Intel, you know, create the Intel Pentium processor. There was also a lot of different ideas that went about, and there was another cool example in, ni- in the 1980s. 
Sorry if you hear my dog's, my dog's uh, claws clicking on the ground here. In the 1980s, a student, there was a group called the Students for Exploration and Development of Space. And one of, their, one of the guys who was president for a while is Jeff Bezos. If you don't know him, he's the guy who now owns, operates, and created Amazon. And these guys all talk about this. They talk about how they were immersed with Apollo. They were immersed with these guys. They saw Eugene Cern and they idolized them. They were motivated towards a curious path. And this just goes into these ideas now, you know, these, these things that we see as a society today. And I teach high school and I can tell you and I can see you this. These kids are wonderful. They're amazing. They're motivating. They're, one, they're, they're good. But what they have in front of them, the things that they idolize are not what the people of this day idolize. You know, they idolize so many kids want a YouTube channel, want an Instagram channel. And I know this is, this is like, this is what I want. You know, I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a science communicator. I want to be a yoga instructor online. I want all that. I want all that to further the mission, to f- enjoy my creativity or learn my more creativity myself, share it with others. But a lot of these kids, I think, don't see that. They see fame. They see quick, quick, you know, ins and outs of money and idolizing cars. And I would like people to idolize these guys, idolize Eugene Cernan. They should have talked about it at schools. They should have known. And I even myself as a teacher, I should have paid more attention and, again, really explained to the kids what they were doing. So, you know, here's my little homage to Eugene Cernan because he, he's my favorite. Out of all the astronauts I've learned about, he was the one who spoke to me the most because he just got this cool air. He's got this vibe. And when he speaks, he you can tell it's from the heart. It's not from a place of like, you know, like, no offense to LeBron James again, but, you know, finally wins his first wins his first uh, NBA championship a while back and says like, about time. I, I'll never forget that, you know. And these guys, they did this and they didn't come in like raising the roof and making it rain and, you know, holding their shirts up and branding themselves. They just went about their lives. They actually had really interesting lives. Uh, Eugene Cernan ended up, uh, he, he's, he talks pretty eloquently about it. life was difficult after this. A lot of these guys suffered from depression and alcoholism and such because they had been to the moon. You know, they had been to space. What, what would they do now? What was what was left in their life in their public sector? Um, anyway, so just take the time to think about this. And the two things that stick out, and I'm, I think every single Apollo astronaut, although they may not have been directly a part of it, every Apollo astronaut, every Apollo person, anybody who worked through the thing, the 100,000 people, 150,000 people, they say, played a role in this. They have changed society forever, and people don't always understand this. There were two photos in general that were mind-bendingly awesome. So first off, Apollo 8 was the first mission to go around, to go to the moon and go around it. And, you know, the ideas of not knowing if the slingshot would work, not knowing if the booster would click on retrofire and get to the back end of the ship, they'd still be there. They'd still be orbiting the moon today if that thing didn't fire. So what happened is on their way, on their way around the moon, I think on like the third or fourth revolution, there appears to it, it made it look like the Earth was rising up over the Moon horizon, and one of the astronauts was able to click a click a picture. He you know he took this first picture, and if you've never heard this, I'm I'm sure you've seen it. It's iconic, arguably one of the greatest pictures ever taken was called Earthrise, and you just see this Earth surrounded by this infinite grayness, just exploring and exposing its fragility, and this personified in a lot of people, and there was an article I was reading this had all these cool spinoffs, you know. Uh, there's an American poet named Archibald, Ma- Archibald Malish, who ended up creating an entire essay, an entire poetry based on this one picture. He published it around December 1968. Earthrise was also uh, integrated by John McDo- McConnell, who was a peace activist, and he printed it on flags and passed it out, and he was the one, his group, these people, were the ones that after Apollo 11 were able to push Earth Day, which is now a group. It is now a day that is that is celebrated in all countries. You know, there was no Earth Day prior to this. The EPA was instituted post this. Once this stuff started coming out and there was starting to be pressure and questions and ideas spurring, curiosity being spawned about the wonders of Earth and this seeing this and remembering this, 
it changed forever. If you really want to get into things and really dive deep into some really cool stuff, is the, look at what's called the astronaut effect, or they now they now call it the overview effect. This was first integrated by Edward, Edgar Mitchell, who who sadly also has passed away. He passed away in February fourth, two thousand sixteen. So that was last year, and I didn't even hear about that. I didn't even hear about him dying. We don't, you know, all of them. Alan Shepard is no longer with us. Pete Conrad, uh, James Irwin. Who else has passed? Eugene just passed away. And Neil Armstrong, man, remember Neil Armstrong went a few years ago and. It, it was 2012. That can't be right. Really? I feel like it was much quicker, much sooner than that because I did pay attention to that one. And all these men, you know, we're, we're losing these guys. And, and I want to do this. I want to talk about it and have open conversations about it to keep their legacies going. So, you know, the overview effect and the astronaut effect is this amazing thing that when people go out there, he they talk about how they couldn't understand that they, they had this overwhelming sensation of euphoria, but they had this overwhelming idea, you know, this connection to humanity. They some Many of them started said they thought about politics, especially when they got home, politics, wars, all this crazy stuff. And they were they were drawn to it. They they didn't understand it. They wished they they hoped that they could take politicians, you know, fear mongers, war people, really anybody, and bring them up into Earth. And that's why I want. I hope that space travel goes. I I truly, with every fiber of my being, believe that anger and hatred and bigotry and racism and homophobia, the horrors of humanity, would be lessened. We'd be more likely to live as one, to live as like a unified human species, if we understood science better, understood Earth, understood biology, understood chemistry. Physics, all of it. Again, getting these ideas that the ordinary is truly extraordinary, that we're extraordinary, and we're all in this together. We're on this little planet that this group of astronauts were able to show us, to let us see, touch, and feel, and experience through photos. Apollo 17, which was the last one, not only were they the last people to land on the moon, they spent the most time up there, lunar rover, you know, initials, all this. They took another image on their way back. They were flipped over, so it made the Earth look upside down, which I never realized till I re- researched this, but the, the North Pole's on the south, the big icebergs. There, there's an amazing photo called Blue Marble that was taken by Apollo 17, and it, it will for always, forever be, it will be a part of society, you know. And Eugene talks about these things, you know, he talks about these ideas and, and he talks about how he doesn't know if it'll ever be there, you know, if this, if people will fully understand it, but he hopes, you know, he has this idea. And really quick in closing, just a couple of things about him that I think just totally personify these amazing humans and how gnarly these educated daredevils were was my fir- my favorite story in all of it. First off, he had a quote in this thing where he, they were talking about training. And he says his motivation in training was was not to do better than it, it was just, it, I'm sorry, it was just simply to do what was done before better. He just wanted to do it better. He didn't do it to boast, to brag, to be better than the dude. He wanted to be better than the previous dude's ability to do it so that they could push forward, so they could go onwards and upwards. And I'm telling you from a fitness sense perspective, health, wellness, education perspective, that is something you can embody. Embrace that idea that you know when you're on the yoga mat you're in the gym you're you're dealing with your your health your wellness and your nutrition just do it better than yesterday just do it a little better not to be anything not to be somebody and I do this too I, I'm struggling right now as a yoga instructor feeling like I've lost my persona lost lost who I am when I am teaching because I'm I got caught up in the in the comparisons of others and teachers and classes and Instagram and it's tough man this is a tough thing but each day I do it each day we learn each podcast each episode I'm doing with this let's do it just a little better than before let's do it to push forth each other ourselves and whatever it is that we're doing you know push forth your curiosity in the unknown because that's where the that's where the unknown will become known then that known will lead to what you don't know and it continues and perpetuates and in the end we can pass away we can rest in peace like all these amazing astronauts at hopefully an old old 
old ripe age of awesomeness, and we can feel this. And there, that, that's just something that really speaks to me. Another thing that I love, probably my favorite story in the whole Apollo program was Apollo 10. Gene Cernan's job in Apollo 10 was to fly the lander over, over the Sea of Tranquility, over Neil Armstrong's landing zone. He talks about we painted a white line in the sky for him. And a lot of people question, why didn't they just land on Apollo on Apollo 10? And in the documentary, and this was from this, I realized it was now it was from this NASA interview, uh, he, sa- he, says, uh, he says, a lot of people thought about the kind of people we were. Don't give those guys an, an opportunity to land because they might. And I can actually hear this playing in my head. I've seen, the, I've seen it so many times. So he talks about, so the ascent stage, the part that we lifted off the lunar surface with was short-fueled. The fuel tanks weren't full. So had they literally tried to land on the moon, they couldn't have gotten off. And that was a mix of his direct quote and stuff like that. But that's insane. And the kids missed this one. I always hope, I'm, I always hope I don't have to miss the day where I show this part of it, is this idea that these guys were so cool and so gnarly that even a little bit NASA didn't 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 fully trust them. They didn't trust that Eugene wasn't just going to go all Sarah Palin Mavericky on him and just land the thing on there and be like, hey, did it, mic drop. So they shorted their fuel by roughly half. They had enough fuel to fly the lamb. That's what they were doing. They were going and piloting it. But if they would have landed what's called the ascent stage that would that blows them back up towards the towards the command module to link, had roughly half as much fuel on there. So they, they wouldn't have been able to get off. But what makes me laugh so hard is that he doesn't deny it. He's looking at the camera and he's like, they knew what kind of people we were. They shorted us fuel. And he just kind of goes like, smile like he doesn't say like that's ridiculous we didn't do it he never once denies it which i might be reading into that but i just think that's hilarious to think about all right so to wrap this up here be an astronaut homies go out there and explore the unknown do it for the love of connectivity the love of understanding the love of knowledge be an explorer in the everyday find a new creative outlet a new challenge a new goal a new health a new wellness explore your human body you know the deeper i get into health and ideas and wellness the more i understand that this is just about the universe that is me exploring this ever unknown chasm that is the solar system of myself and pick your moon man pick your destination pick where you want to go next and put all of your resources into it pool whatever you can do create the technology ask ask and answer questions and if you don't know something do your best to invent it do your best to discover it and what's the worst that can happen in our world we fail a little bit these guys worst that could happen they fail they're still orbiting the moon today they crash land on a planet there they wouldn't barely even be decaying up there because there's not a lot to decay them they'd still be there man Man, that's crazy. You can do more of that. We can go out and we can explore the solar systems of the unknown. We can explore the things that we want to explore and we can embrace the curiosity of the word it is. So in closing here, this is one of my favorite quotes from Eugene Cernan. Curiosity is the essence of the human experience. Who are we? Where are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? I don't know. I don't have any, I don't have any answers to those questions. I don't know what's over there around the corner, but I want to find out. Embrace that, live that, love that, be the astronaut, be the you, be awesome, be epic, be the happy, walking, talking, thinking, feeling thing that you are. Embrace the chaos, people, onwards and upwards. Enjoy it. I love you. Peace. All right, so before you take off in that, hopefully you're enjoying the show, you're digging what we're throwing down here, trying to learn and get more curious in our everyday lives. I would love it if you guys could reach out to me, figure out a way to contact me. Best way is beautifuldustbecks at gmail.com. It's always an easy way. You can hook up with the Freestyle Friday if you want your three words to be used in the next freestyle flow. Also, Facebook, doc, facebook.com forward slash beautifuldustbecks, Instagram, beautifuldustbecks, and Twitter is at Alex Hofeld. Or all of this website is stuff, show notes at alexhofeld.com. Please contact me. Let me know how you're feeling. Let me know what you're enjoying for good or for bad or for ugly. If you want to just rap and chat and talk about the ever-expanding human experience that is this dustbeck living, let me know. All right. Have a great week, peeps.